great to be here. Um, I just want to give a just a real reminder. We're in this sermon series looking at the, the fruit of the Spirit. And the heart here is that um, we can make sure that we're not losing time. Even though we've got lockdowns, we're separated. My desire is that by the time we're back together, if we ever do, that we would be uh, growing, pumped up, we would be experienced the, the spirit of the Father and growing in Him. And so we've got this sermon series called Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, and the Spirit Helps Me Grow. And if there's anything you want to, I, I want you to take away from this, it's this one truth that you can have faith that the Holy Spirit of God will grow you as you have faith in Jesus. And as you know that he loves you and he truly loves you, he's died for your sins, he welcomes you by faith. He doesn't count your deeds against you, but instead accepts you because you believe in him. And as you trust in him and believe the word of God, the spirit of God can help you grow in all of his fruit that's listed in the book of Galatians. Now, as we're getting started, I want to say that next Sunday, we're doing something different. We're having a pre-recorded service that will launch on that Sunday morning. And I don't think we've ever done this before. We've done it maybe for like a Christmas service or something like that, but for a Sunday morning we haven't done it and there's a, until now. And there's a few reasons, so we hope it's the, the right choice and a wise choice. But this is what I want to say. We recorded this thing actually like over a week ago, and I was actually really surprised about how awesome it was. So I really met with the Lord when we were recording it. I thought the message was, I was like surprised. I, I felt it was good. Jackie said I shouldn't say it's good because, you know, whatever. It sounds like you're tuning your own horn. But I was really surprised at, at how good the message was. And it's on the fruit of the Spirit peace. And so I just want to encourage you. I know it's a long weekend, but I want to encourage you to, to take it in somehow next weekend. I think you'll be blessed. And there, that's, that's all I'm going to say about that to quote somebody. Jesus loves me, this I know, and the Spirit helps me grow. We're looking at the fruit of the Spirit, joy, today. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. Let's read together Galatians 5, 22 through 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let let me pray. Father, would you help us today? You know that uh, we're scattered hither and yon. You know, Lord, that some people are listening to this live and other people will take it in later. My confidence is in you supremely to do your work and that the Holy Spirit would illuminate your word and would give grace in the hearing of your word preached and that you would deliver an impact for your kingdom for everybody who listens to this by faith in Jesus. And Lord, I pray that wherever we are, whatever the situation is, you would make yourself known and you transform your bride for your glory. So just as a recap, the Apostle Paul is writing to a church that has been, was firmly planted on Christ and the truth that we live by faith in Jesus Christ alone, not by works of the law, so that no one might boast. And this church, as they believed in Jesus, had evidence of the Holy Spirit 
in their midst. Miracles were happening. There was joy. People were being changed. But teachers came along and said, ah, 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 it's not just about Jesus. You also need to get circumcised and keep the law of Moses in order to be right with God. And this letter is written, and this is a fiery letter. I, I really encourage you to read the whole thing. But this is a fiery letter, and part of what he's saying is, no, as Christians... Our dependence isn't on the written word alone to transform us, but instead the Spirit of God transforming us from the inside out, using God's word, by faith in God's word, by faith in the gospel, yes, but with confidence that the Spirit of God could do what the word of God couldn't do before we were born again. And that was the big failure of the law. It was that it couldn't produce the transformation that was required for fallen man to walk with God in holiness. And so Jesus came to be our forgiveness for everything we ever do wrong. And the Spirit was sent to be our transformation so that we could become more like God and actually do what he wants us to do in life. And so this list of the fruit of the Spirit is giving the character of God that will come out of us as we grow in Jesus, as we believe in him. This is what faith in action will look like. And today we're talking about joy. Don't, does anybody here want joy? Anybody? This is an easy fruit of the Spirit to sell. Probably the easiest fruit of the Spirit to sell people. Love is a great thing, but we all know that love is costly, don't we? Love is a beautiful thing, but we all know that loving people will result in pain some, sometimes because we're, we're sinners. We, we do things we ought not to do. And we do it sometimes even from the heart. We mean to do wrong sometimes. And this is the tragedy of life that nobody is exactly the way they were meant to be yet. So even with something as beautiful as love, we know that, that that can be costly. Peace is a good one, but you know what? Peace isn't as good as joy. Peace is like the absence of bad things sometimes, but joy is the presence of yay. And so it's pretty easy to sell joy. But we all know it's very difficult to sometimes have joy and sometimes maintain joy. Amen? Anybody here have a hard time maintaining joy? Anybody here have a hard time getting through five minutes of scrolling down Facebook and maintaining your joy? Anybody? How, I, I'm at two minutes. You know, I actually put on emotional armor. I check my Facebook every once in a while, but it, before I do it, while I'm doing it, I'm kind of like disassociating. I'm like, hey, emotions, I'll just take you and put you on a shelf. I don't want to expose you to this stuff. I'll take in information, but I'm not going to react to any of this stuff because it's so easy to lose your joy in this world. If you have any hope that, you know, in the weather or in um, five weeks of one kind of shutdown, just maintaining over those five weeks and not getting any worse, you, you got, if you've got hope in this stuff, you're not going to be able to maintain your joy. And so as I'm talking about experiencing joy in the Holy Spirit, I want to start by acknowledging that human beings and Christians as well go up and down. We go up and down a lot. And so I want to just quote the Apostle Paul, writing by the Holy Spirit, who gave us this list of the fruit of the Spirit, also described his life as being very challenging and painful. This is from a different letter. It's the second letter to the Corinthian church. And he talks about what it's like for him to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. 
And he's saying, we have, as Christians, the very best that God has to offer in this life. We have Jesus Christ raised from the dead as our Lord. We get accepted by the by God the Father as His beloved children. And we get the Holy Spirit living inside of us with power and gifts and grace to change us and empower us to do stuff. We have the best that God has to offer in this life. And yet this life is full of weakness and fragility for us. And so when he's talking about a treasure, he means all that God has done for us. But when he talks about being a jar of clay, he's talking about how easy it is to get hurt and broken in this life. And this is how he describes his Christian walk. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed but not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. And I love this passage because it's a great reminder that things like being afflicted, being perplexed, being persecuted, being Um, feeling like you're carrying around death with you, does not mean that you don't have surpassing power from God. Amen? The Apostle Paul, and I'm assuming that his life was an okay life, okay? Because some Christians, they don't have the best life. They don't necessarily have a life that you want to imitate. You know, true, true facts, fact check true. Not every person who calls themselves a Christian has a life that you don't want your children to emulate. Amen? But the Apostle Paul is given to us with a life where he says, literally, imitate me as I imitate Christ. His Christian experience is something we can look at and say, this is kind of normal. And he is saying, we have surpassing power from God in our lives. Anybody want that? Anybody? Yeah, me too. And I think we have access to it. His name is Holy Spirit. And by faith in Jesus Christ and believing that Jesus really loves us and He's for us and He's our God and we're accepted by God the Father in this life and the Holy Spirit is in our midst, we have access to what God thinks is surpassing power. But that doesn't mean that life is going to be absent of, absent of affliction or perplexion, or if that's a word, or, or just hard times. And so I'm saying this because I know for many people the last year was one of the worst years of your life. And you might not be able to say, I had a ton of joy. And I'm not here to preach to you any kind of condemnation if you have felt like your joy levels have been hard to attain or hard to maintain in the last year. Sometimes that is normal. Talking to a dear friend yesterday who I just asked him, how are you doing? And he said, you know what? There was a long season when I wondered if I'd ever feel happy again. But I'm starting to feel happy again. And God is teaching me things. And so I think we do need to say, we need to kind of get our expectations in the right place. Even as we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, that being a Christian will involve feeling like a breakable jar of clay, even though we have inside of ourselves this surpassing treasure of God. But we can have hope that 
we can have a kind of joy that endures every kind of situation. Or at least comes back in, from seasons where it feels like we've lost it. We can have dandelion joy. Anybody know, anybody have a lawn? Yeah, you know that those dandelions are hard to kill. You can get the industrial grade par three. I'm not saying I didn't do this. You can get the full concentrate that the farmers get and you can glug that stuff straight onto your lawn and the dandelions will be back next year. They're an amazing plant. And if they didn't look so ugly, sometimes if their flowers lasted more than half an hour, it would be the best thing ever. But they're a bit of a weed. But this is Paul in the same letter talking about, he's talking about how hard it is sometimes to be a follower of Jesus. He's talking about how he does his life in order to be as fruitful as possible. This is chapter 6 starting in verse 3. And he says, he's talking about the apostles and his team and how they work. He says, we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found in our ministry. He wants as many people to come to Jesus, as many people to be attracted to Jesus, as, as many people to want Jesus. And if there's a problem, he doesn't want to be the problem. But as servants of God, we command ourselves in every way. So these are the things that he does in order to make Jesus look great. By great endurance, in afflictions, hardships and calamities, beatings and imprisonments, riots and labors and sleepless nights and hunger... See, we go through all of this stuff to make Jesus look great. By purity and knowledge and patience and kindness, the Holy Spirit arm-waving, genuine love. And then I skipped over some stuff in the list. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, yet possessing everything. And I just want to zero in on that one line in this passage where Paul says, part of what I do in order to maximize other people's experience of Jesus is to live always sorrowful and yet always rejoicing. And I'm amazed by this passage because... In my heart, I am usually convinced I can either do sorrowful, and I have been a grade A PhD expert of living sorrowfully in this life. Let me tell you that. Or I can be rejoicing, and those are your two gears. And yet the Apostle Paul says, by the power of the Holy Spirit, in order to make God look amazing by His grace and in order to commend Christ, we are always kind of sorrowful because life is so hard and yet we were always rejoicing. And for me, what, how I have to understand that is he is talking about a supernatural fruit of the Spirit kind of joy that doesn't get crushed by what happens in the world. And I am hungry for that kind of joy. Amen? Are you hungry for that kind of joy? Dandelion joy, joy that keeps coming back and even though it gets mowed down by the circumstances of life, all it seems to do is spread things farther and wide. Yeah, I I know you want that. I want that. Everybody wants that. And that kind of experience of life that you can have profound sorrow and yet have a powerful joy maintained inside of you or coming back from your lowest valley of the shadow of death experiences is from the spirit of christ so 
let's talk about the life of joy. I'm going to press pause on that kind of unique Holy Spirit joy for a second because that's not the only kind of joy available to Christians. There is kind of a life of just looking to enjoy everything that God gives you that the scriptures calls us to. This is the book of Ecclesiastes we're going to quote. If you haven't read this book recently, it's written by an Old Testament sage thousands of years ago. And he's looking at life, quote unquote, under the sun. He's looking at life from just the perspective of somebody living life. He's not thinking so much about the greatness of of um, heavenly realities. He's not necessarily thinking about life in view of eternity. He's just trying to focus in on the perspective of what it's like to be a creature born and living and dying and knowing that things are often confusing and things are often not fair and things are often not easy. And so in the book of Ecclesiastes, this wise person looking at life, quote unquote, under the sun and not necessarily from emphasizing the heavenly or eternal perspective, he says to us, I commend joy. For man, meaning a human, has nothing better under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful. For this will go... For this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. And this is what he means. Most of us have regular lives. Amen? Have you ever noticed that? Most of us kind of spend our days uh, sleeping a lot of a day. Somewhere between a quarter and a third of your entire life, you'll be conked out on the ground or on a bed somewhere just sleeping. And then you wake up. And then you eat something, and then you go to your job, and you do your job for a bit, and then you take a break, and then you eat something else, and then you do your job some more, and then you take a break, and you eat something, and then you have some relationships along the way, and then you're tired, so you go back to bed, and you sleep for a quarter to a third of your life, and then you get up and you do it all again. That's that's just normal life. And that's most of your life. Unless you're in school, and then you don't go to work, you go to school. And you're just doing it. You're just doing, doing your do. And that's normal life. And for most of us, normal life will be most of our life. And the biggest thing that will ever happen will be, maybe you'll have like a few dozen just amazing experiences in your life. Or maybe you'll have a few dozen amazing seasons in your life. And that's great. I want those for you. But most of us just have a lot of normal. Amen? The, four, the, the people over here on the side, do you have a lot of normal in your life? Yeah. And God gets it, and what he says is, I commend to you to, to want to be joyful during your normal. Eat, drink, enjoy, enjoy normal. Just enjoy it. Enjoy your, your chips, enjoy your hot dog, enjoy your work, enjoy driving, enjoy waking up in the morning, enjoy going to bed at night. Just do your best to enjoy things. Because what's your other option? Complaining? Not enjoying it? Grumbling? Just not, not, not doing anything? What, what are your options here? And so as a wise person, he just says, you're going to have a normal life for most of your life. Why don't you aim to be thankful, to enjoy it, to appreciate it, to see the good in it, to accept it and welcome it? Because your life is going to have a lot of toil. It's going to have a lot of work, a lot of menial labor, a lot of just doing stuff because you've got to do stuff. And so why not do your best to just enjoy it? And so the sage says, I commend to you joy. Set your heart on joy. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that, to just want to be a joyful, enjoying life person. 
Go out under the sun. You know, here's a day. It's a Sunday, and it's one of our best days of the year. Why don't you try to enjoy it? A lot of stuff's going on. You might have some hard stuff going on. Can you press pause on the hard stuff and just enjoy some sunshine? Get some vitamin D? Eat a Slurpee? Do you eat a Slurpee or drink a Slurpee? I'm not even sure. Usually things through a a straw or drink. But here's some just wisdom from God. As much as you can, enjoy what you have in front of you. Because what else are you going to do? But I also want to emphasize something more enduring and a bit deeper than just enjoying your life. And this is this whole idea of rejoicing in the Lord. And so from Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, this famous verse, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And how I see rejoicing in the Lord and this this joy that persists even during sorrow and this fruit of the spirit joy that isn't a fruit of the flesh or fruit of the joy or fruit of the world joy is joy that comes from focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Joy that comes from your unbreakable, unshakable, unchangeable relationship with Jesus Christ. A joy that comes from knowing who you are in Him and who He is in you. A joy that comes from seeing your life as a part of the eternity of God, chosen from the foundation of the world and knowing that you already have started eternal life and you will exist forever from him, a joy that knows that dying is the best start of your eternity because you will go to be with the Lord, which is better by far. This joy that comes from rejoicing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And because he does not change, it does not change. And because he lives forever, your joy can live forever. And because the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is dwelling in you, The joy that Jesus had set before him that he was willing to endure the cross to get is already living inside of you. And so this is the joy of the Lord. And this is rejoicing in the Lord, the unchangeable joy that Christians have access to, whether it's to endure the hardships of life or to make especially sweet the joys of life or to come back to you after the darkest seasons of your life. This is what I'm talking about. And I think we need more and more um, faith pointed towards this joy and whatever activities we can do to to pursue this joy because we know that there is so much undependability in the world now for happiness and for that kind of joy that Ecclesiastes is talking about where you can just kind of try to enjoy your life. Um, I've been thinking a little bit about kind of the, the conflicts that have broken out in the Middle East recently. And I'm just thinking about these people who live there. They've gone through COVID. They did a year of COVID. They've kind of been the most vaccinated country in the world or one of the most vaccinated countries. And how do they get to celebrate their, their coming out of COVID restrictions and being so vaccinated? Well, rockets and war. That's how they get to celebrate their their progress in the fight against COVID is people blowing up and wondering if you're going to get hit by a a missile and if you're living in Israel knowing that there's about 140,000 more rockets that can be sent into your country in the next few days. 
If you're living there, you need a joy that's bigger than hope that someday we'll get through COVID. Amen? Because there's no promise that Canada won't be in a war in a couple of months. We need a joy that's a joy in Jesus. We need a joy that is stronger than the news cycle. We need a joy that is raised from the dead and gifted to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? I do. I totally do. Even this last sense of lockdown, somebody's asking me, how are you doing, Rob? And I think, I said, I think I'm doing as good as I've ever done. I'm like, well, why? And it's like, cause I knew that this last lockdown, I was either going to do great or I'm done. And so, by God's grace, I decided I'm going to do great. So anything that takes my joy from Jesus away, right or wrong, quote unquote, is, is gone. And I am going to be praying for the fruit of the Spirit every single day so that I have as much of God as possible in this season. Because I know I'm just a jar of clay. I'm easily broken. Even though, truth be told, Manitoba's got it almost as good as anybody during this time. And it's just made me remember that there are many things that Christians can do that actually sabotages the spirit of joy in our lives. Because it just dawned on me that if it's the fruit of the spirit that is joy, that our indestructible joy or our resurrection joy, our joy that comes back from the dead, our joy that endures suffering, if that joy is from the Holy Spirit, then I don't want to be doing anything that gets in the way of what the Spirit wants to do. But I might. Because Paul says there's this thing called the flesh who is against the Spirit. And the Spirit is against the flesh. And it just made me realize that the flesh is anti-real joy. The, the flesh list from the book of Galatians, and I'll read it in a, in a second, it hates your joy in Jesus. It hates your joy in the Spirit. It doesn't want you to have joy. It wants you to pursue everything but real joy. It's joy sabotage. It's joy cancer. It's joy AIDS. It's joy COVID. It wants to kill the Spirit's joy in you. And me too. So let me read it afresh. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality impurity, sensuality, living for the pleasure, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, having enemies, strife, having conflict with people, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. This list of the flesh are all things that want to kill your joy in the spirit. And then it just dawned to me afresh that so many of those things are things we actually pursue for joy. Sensuality, living for pleasure, sexual immorality, the promise of, of, of joy through sex. Having enemies, the promise of joy by crushing your enemies, you know, the promise of like victory over the bad guys will give you joy. Having rivalries, the promise that my team will finally defeat your team, whether it's outside of the world or even in the church. Dissensions, the promise of joy, if we can just get the best people together as this elite group, then things will finally start to happen. Envy, if I could just get that thing that other people have that I don't have, I'll get joy. Jealousy, I can't stand that other people have something that I don't have, it's robbing me of my joy. Well, actually, it's the flesh. The flesh kills our joy. 
because the Spirit wants to give us an amazingly powerful experience of joy and it's the flesh that's against it. Amen? So I'm going through my Galatians list going, where am I letting the flesh kill the Spirit's joy in me? And I know that there's more to this. There's, I know there's hard times. I know there's physical aches and pains. I know there's catastrophes that, that give us sorrow and all this stuff. And I'm not saying that Christians should expect to maintain the heights of pleasure in life every single minute of every single day. I'm not saying that. And I started off by saying that's not what I'm saying. And yet... I do think that our faith should be that the Spirit would, as we believe in Him, as we work against the flesh by trust in Him, that we should be going from glory to glory and grace to grace in having this joy in Jesus that survives our suffering and is our strength in sorrow and takes us in our walk with Jesus to places we've never been before. Because the joy of the Spirit is meant to be missional and evangelistic. Did you know that? Because when we talk about joy, we often are just like thinking about that experience of everything that happens inside of our skin and bones, where there's kind of a lightness, you feel peppy in your brain, you got the brain pep on, and you don't have that, that twist in your guts or that tightness in your chest, you know what I mean? There's the absence of the ungood stuff, and there's the presence of the... <laughs> stuff you know captain feather sword you got the captain feather sword pill going on in your life you got the joy that's what we think of but the joy that the spirit wants to spread is actually a joy that's infectious and contagious and in, and wins people to jesus and improves their walk with jesus and so i just want to share from philippians again two more verses that really highlight this for me the first one philippians chapter one the Apostle Paul is in prison. He knows he could get killed. There's dudes with swords chained to him 24 hours a day to make sure he doesn't get away. And they're trying to decide if his preaching of Jesus is sedition enough to have him executed. And he knows it could go either way. And this is where he says, you know what? I would rather depart and be with Christ, but which is better before, by four which is better by far, but for your sake, I think I'm going to stick around. And he says this word, he says, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. He's like, I could die right now. Like he could probably push it, right? Just start just being a real preacher, annoying preacher type and just like wanting to make all the people with swords want to cut his head off by his preaching. He could do that. But he says, actually, I think I'd rather stick around because I would rather increase your joy in the faith with my time right now. And I'm just like, this is Paul's whole brain about why he doesn't want to die even though he knows it's better to go. Because I would rather be here increasing your joy in Jesus. Hello? Do you want to be excited about 
ministry? Do you want to be excited about outreach? Do you want to be, start thinking about it as I want to introduce people to enjoying Jesus and I want to increase other people's joy in Jesus. That's his motivation. And guess what? That can be our motivation too. That's why I'm up here. I want you to see God as amazing and I want you to enjoy knowing him and worshiping him and serving him. I want you to be like, that's amazing. And I enjoy learning about God and I want to know him and serve him. That your faith would be more joy-filled. That's amazing. I love that. And you know what? That can be your life too. You can ask Because you know Jesus loves you and you believe in him. And you can ask the Holy Spirit to make you somebody who makes other people enjoy God more. And then he flips it around a little bit later because he knows there's some tensions in the church. He says, complete my joy by being of the same mind and having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And so he comes to the church and he says, you guys have some discord. You guys have a little bit of flesh running around. Why don't you guys work on that for my joy? Why don't you want to bring me joy in the Lord? Why don't you want to make me happy in Jesus so that I can see his life in your midst and I can have more joy in Christ and say, Jesus, you did it. This church is alive and believing. That makes me enjoy you more. That gives me joy in God. And this is like, this is an amazing motivation to actually want to increase other people's joy in Jesus by what we do. As a church. Amen? I'm imagining the amen. You can download some amens my way. But this is, this is, so this is where I'm going with this whole message. Don't feel beat up if you felt beat up. Don't feel discouraged if you felt discouraged. But lift up your eyes to God. Have great faith that by supernatural power, the Holy Spirit in you can produce more joy. Both an enjoyment just in life, but also an ever-increasing joy in Jesus Christ alone. So that regardless of what's going on around you, you are going from grace to grace in your enjoyment of Christ. And let's set our hearts on being a people who increase other people's joy in Jesus. So that they too can want to see the joy of God spreading throughout the world. Whether it's here in Steinbeck or at your home wherever you live, or on the silk road where people are hungry for Christ, that it would be the joy of knowing God and the Holy Spirit that we would be zealous for spreading. I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite the team to come up. For every hungry heart, you can put up your hand wherever you are, whether you're live streaming or listening later. Why don't you, if you mean it, tell God, I want the joy of the Lord. Why don't you tell him how you have been feeling, whether it's been great, but it's mostly circumstances. Maybe it has been the joy of the Lord and you want way more, so you're even more powerful and fruitful in God. Maybe you have gone through the valley of the shadow of death and you're just hungry to enjoy God afresh. Just tell him where you are. God loves honesty. He wants to respond to walking in the light. And it's very difficult for him to change a person who's who's not honest with him about where they're going. You can confess whatever you need to confess. But if you're hungry for the joy of the Lord, why don't you tell him? And God, for everybody who is opening up their heart to you, would you powerfully deal with every work of the flesh that is robbing your people of the joy of the Spirit? 
Father, we know it's your will to rejoice in Jesus always. And when we're battered and bruised, to come back afresh and to find the power of the Spirit filling our eyes full of joy in Christ. And so, Lord, knowing that this is your will and you hear me, I pray for a powerful resurrection experience of joy in God that that can laugh at the days to come and can survive the worst news and can be infectious to believer and unbeliever alike so that more and more people's faith would arise or be birthed or grow full of joy in Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen.